You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Eli keeps, flips, touchdown Giants, Evan Ingram. What a start. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, I'm going to live up to my name this week because I am officially super cranky and super pissed. So, Well, I'm excited. It's about time you got in character. You've been way too happy um, you know, through these giant seasons where we've totaled out, I think, what, like nine wins? Well, first, if you haven't been following me on Twitter at the Cranky Fan, you know, baseball is back and I'm back in, you know, my classic annoyed state. But now, you know, with the big news happening over the last 48 hours about the uh, imminent demise of college football this year, I am in a stanky mood, to say the least. Stanky, cranky. Um, so there's there's a lot of whirling information about college football, you know, circulating Monday, Sunday, kind of over the weekend, just swelled into like a tornado uh, all day Monday. And um, we expect a lot more uh, news to follow throughout the week. Um, but before we get into all of the bad news and dark and scary news, we do have some decent news, um, and it's all Giants related. So, um, the biggest problems have been at cornerback for the Giants. Uh, DeAndre Baker, (laughs) DeAndre Baker, since getting arrested, uh, turning himself in for four counts of armed robbery or whatever, and then one count of aggravated assault or something like that. Um, it seems that the charges against cohort Quentin Dunbar have been subsequently dropped, but they are continuing the prosecution against DeAndre Baker. So his hopes for this season are entirely squashed. Forever playing for the Giants again are 99.9% squashed. Playing on an NFL roster ever again, probably about 98% squashed now. Well, um, well, there's always the Raiders. So there's always the Raiders. I mean, there's always the chance that these charges eventually get dropped, or there's insufficient evidence. You know, I I don't know any more than anybody else. All I know is that the prosecution is continuing. They had enough evidence for him, but for some reason, not enough against Dunbar, which is weird to me. Uh, so this might all end up being a wash, and I'm not saying that from any sort of optimism from the Giants' standpoint. It's just a weird situation. Uh, so you know, I'll put it at 98 uh, percent. Who knows, right? And if the charges get dropped, all he's really going to get stuck with is punishment from the commissioner, which would probably be at most one-year suspension. Um, I mean, the way I look, I'm kind of treating this the way I treated this whole offseason, knowing there'd be no fans in the stands this year for the NFL. You know, I just accepted it that that's going to be a fact, and that's the end of it, that he's not going to be on this team this year and going forward. So when the actual news does hit, you know, there's no shock, there's no outrage, there's no, I can't believe it. It's like, yeah, that's kind of what yeah. I figured. And, there's the hammer, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we move on. Yeah, so, you know, with this lurking over the heads of Giants, coaches, players, fans, there was a lot of hope for Sam Beal to make a big step up. I, you know, he, he had missed his entire first season due to injury almost immediately. Um, I think he made it about... 20 minutes into his first practice before suffering a season-ending injury. Um, He was also significantly injured last year and a little bit buried on the depth chart, so he wasn't really rushed to the front lines anyway. But when he did play last year, he did not play poorly at all. Um, So there was a lot of hope that this would be his real stride this year, and instead, Sam Beal becomes the second opt-out for the Giants. There were ultimately three total before the opt-out out deadline passed. They were Nate Solder, Sam Beal, and wide receiver Damari Scott, who had a limited role last year on the team as a receiver, more so as a returner later on in the season. Um, but Sam Beal becomes, I don't want to say a bigger hit than Nate Solder, but like equal, equal hit. Um, like I said, there was a huge void to fill in DeAndre Baker's shoes. It was really expected that he would take it, and instead he's opted out. Um, I have to say that I was really disappointed with what I saw from most of the Giants fan base at his decision. Um, here's a guy who 
is now receiving a $150,000 advance, really, on next year's salary. That's all it is. Um, next year's salary, which is, you know, after signing bonuses and miscellaneous stuff, is a million dollars. I mean, we're not talking about a giant chunk of Mara's, you know, bank vault. Um, and, uh, you, you know... I'll, I, I understand the frustration behind it. You know, here, here's a guy who was taken in a supplemental draft. He's taken up a, a draft space. And we've, as fans, have seen not much in return. This is an extenuating circumstance, as was his season-ending injury, you know, in his first year. I mean, this is not something that, you know, he pulled himself out of the year or maybe he, you know, chose not to practice, thought maybe his hamstring was a little too tight. I mean, these are season-ending injuries and, uh, you know, a global pandemic. It, it just is very weird to me how, how some fans react to things like this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, the longer this pandemic goes on, you know, the more and more you are going to come in contact with family members, friends, others who, who test positive or some who get sick or some, you know, infect other people. So, I would think that, you know, when people opt out, that people would just be like, oh, oh, that's the way it is. I mean, that's been my attitude. You know, I can't really, I can't fault anybody for doing that. You know, I don't think, you know, I think if people are doing it for purely contract reasons, I think they're being short-sighted and it probably will end up, you know, hurting them in the long run. You know, you want to have, you know, fresh tape for, you know, whether you're a recruit in high school or, you know, in a college um, you know, someone who's great for the draft, or we're going to talk about that in a little bit, or even, you know, somebody getting ready for free agency. I mean, so I really don't think, I think it's very few and far between people are trying to game the system by not playing. So I think, you know, it, it, it's a tough, it's the position of need, one of the biggest of needs we have, and have them go, you know, be unavailable really hurts. But, uh, you know, this is just a wonky season. And, you know, nothing you think you know is going to happen probably. You know, what we see on paper is, you know, could be all haywire. I mean, everybody's going to be practicing and, and preparing in different ways. So I think you just have to roll with everything. And if you get that bent out of shape about somebody making a decision like that, you know, maybe put yourself in their place and see what you would do. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I we said it at the top you know, when, when the opt-out clause was going to first be in effect. And uh, we, we said right away that you really can't judge any of these guys for opting out. They have families, they have lives, their bodies are their entire source of income. Um, and not to mention, you know, there are long-term effects that can happen even if they got sick, got over it, and moved on. You know, they're, you know lung scarring, etc., you know things that will shorten their lifespan most likely and, and the fact that we don't know how bad it can be is just more reason to not do it so you know where i would go with this you know i don't know i'm pretty thick-headed i might play um if i were i don't know uh, but i i certainly know that i couldn't blame anyone for not um whether i was a teammate coach friend son father it doesn't matter um yeah yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's easy for us to say we're not in their situation. You know, we don't have, you know, the money situation. We don't know what the family situations are. I don't know. I think it's one of those things. It's a lot easier to armchair quarterback what you would do. So the the mood on Giants Twitter was really glum, uh, to say the least, following Sam Beal's uh, decision to opt out right before the deadline. Not right before the deadline. Before the deadline, um, and uh, you know. It seemed now we're looking at a an outside corner depth that is pretty much James Bradbury and, I mean, who? Corey Ballantyne? It, it, it's, it's really hard to see who's going to win the outside spot. I mean, there's a lot of youth, a lot of guys that aren't really fit for an outside spot. Um, and so they went out, and after a tryout, it seems the Giants are going to sign pending the three mandatory physicals or whatever for COVID testing this week. Uh, former Steelers 
Giants and Panthers corner Ross Cockrell, who last year was actually starting opposite James Bradbury, which is funny enough. Uh, <laughs> Giants fans who are older than 12 years old probably remember when Ross Cockrell was on the team just a few years ago. Uh, it seemed like the kind of guy who performed, I believe he was traded for. Um, it was one of Jerry Reese's like last moves or so. Maybe Maybe it was a year before he was fired um, he was I th- either picked up on waivers from the Steelers or traded for for like a seventh round pick or something something fairly expendable um, and he performed pretty well on a, on a team that didn't do very well I think it was 2017 um, and uh, he became a free agent at the end of the year the Giants did not pick him up even though it seemed like he would be a cheap free agent and um he went to the Panthers for 2018 where he broke his leg and could not play for the whole year. And then 2019 played and performed fairly well, I should say. I mean, I watched a bunch of film. It's a little difficult to know how he's going to hold up in a new defense that expects a lot of man coverage, being that the Panthers ran a lot of zone on the back end. But, you know, when James Bradbury is starting opposite you and you play, you know, Julio Jones, Mike Evans and uh, Michael Thomas twice a year, you kind of become the guy that gets targeted, right? Um, and uh, he held his own pretty well. I mean, his PFF scores are pretty good. I watched the tape. He doesn't jump out at you, but he's solid. He's okay. He's fine. So this is, or should be, good news for all Giants fans. Well, let's put it this way. I mean, considering how fast they had to move to get a guy and the availability, this is probably as good as we're going to get for that moment. I mean, this isn't something like, well, you know, we're going to have a hole this year with free agency, so we're going to draft somebody or free agency's coming up. This is one of those, you know, what's out there? Who can we grab right now? So, and again, you know, there might be another cornerback that's on another roster right now that might have significant snaps in the rotation when the season starts, you know, after cutdowns happen too, so... Yeah, and again, there's no preseason here, so cutdowns are going to be really wild, right? I mean, a lot of times we have those last-minute cutdowns, you know, the guys who have big names and a a good past, you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe they're coming off of injury and couldn't quite crack whatever roster they were on. Or maybe they're young guys with no history whatsoever and they shined in preseason but couldn't quite uh, crack the roster, um, and there's usually a scramble, but now there's no preseason, so we're not going to know why other teams did or didn't cut guys. It's going to be a little, little strange. Yeah, let me ask you something, Grump. What have you heard? I mean, maybe not necessarily the Giants, but what other teams are planning? Are they going to do full-out scrimmages, or are teams going to do some of those combined practices and scrimmages? I mean, I, I know with COVID, they're trying to do as much social distancing as possible, but how are they going to try to simulate? you know, as much of a, of a game experience or two game experience without actually going through the whole, you know, standard preseason game. I don't know if the combined scrimmage practice is going to be allowed this year. I have not heard that. I know the Giants were planning on doing some scrimmages this year. Um, I was surprised to see that hard knocks is still happening this year. Um, I, don't, I think I don't... it's, I think it's fascinating. I think, you know, that's, that is what I'm definitely going to be watching because you know I want to see, I want to see how an NFL team is doing this. And it's know, interesting and, because uh, they're, you're going to get two perspectives because they're doing both Los Angeles teams, which is something I don't think they've ever done before. Uh, they have not done two. Yeah. No. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the show. I think it's a little hokey, but um, definitely cool uh, to get some insight behind the scenes on all this stuff. I enjoy the show. I mean, I know what it is. And I know that, you know... I never seem to make it through a season. Players seem to play up to the, the cameras more than they did in the earlier episodes. It's kind of like... Remember the old MTV, uh, The Real World? Mm-hmm. Like, the first couple of seasons, it was much more... It was interesting because people were actually... Authentic. You know, yeah, they're authentic. They were really actually you know, diverse people trying to work on their careers at the same time, learning how to interact with people. And now, it, you know, later years, it was just like they played up to the camera and they just well, were trying also, to screw I mean, like, yeah, exactly. and they're just trying the, to screw each other. The, the, yeah, the, the, the show's producers are trying to get people to start shit with each other. And, 
Right, it's, right, it's right. All, it's all for rating. But, but I, so, exactly, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's still enjoyable to watch, especially the first, like, to your point, the first two or three episodes as you're getting ready for the first preseason game. That's exciting. It's, it's, it just kind of gets in a little more, you know, again, if it's not my team, I'm not terribly invested in whether this, you know, the rookie wide receiver is going to make the team or not. But, you know, it's it's good early August watching. You know? Right. I think but I think we'll part be- of it is my, my unquenchable thirst for anything football is perfectly lined up for when it launches – yeah, and see my uh, my interest level this year. I'm not sure because you know this is the first time we're ever going to have an August where we're going to have NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you know, soccer going on, this crazy baseball schedule, you know, all these things. So probably not going to have time in my schedule to watch Hard Knocks and other things are going on. It's one but, of those uh, things you can always watch, though. I mean, it exists forever. It doesn't really have to be live because you're always watching it a week after the preseason games, right? Like you're watching a game that already happened last week. That's true. That's true. But like I said, there's so much happening. And like even because of the bubble format in basketball and hockey, you know, they're only using two sites. You're getting playoff games, you know, for hockey at three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, which, you know, one of the positive byproducts of everybody working from home now you can watch a playoff game at Wednesday at three o'clock in the afternoon and not miss anything. You know, you bang out your stuff on your on your laptop and you just there's the TV and oh, little lightning blue jackets on. Not bad. So uh, yeah, so that, well, that means it kind of squeezes out the time I have to watch a Hard Knocks, and uh, you know we'll, we'll fit it in somehow. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know how the waiver this this wacky preseason not happening and practice and stuff. You know, Ross Cockrell may not be the last move we see in the DB area in the secondary. Uh, you know, we might see a big name suddenly hit the waiver wire, and who the hell knows why. I, You know, when, when you have a team that's coming off of a four-win year and before that a, what, three-win year? I don't even remember anymore. Um, Two-win year? What do we have? I don't know. Um, you know your roster's not good enough, and you're scouring every transaction that happens in the league. So you better bet your ass that whatever happens on the waiver wire, the Giants will be actively, you know, checking out every single name, bringing guys in for workouts. This team needs to get better. Um, the Ross Cockrell signing, you know, it's it's perfect. Uh, it's, it's, it's perfect for what they need right now. He's a, a 29-year-old guy um, filling a stopgap. He's solid. He's not the kind of guy who's going to edge out an emerging talent, right? Uh, you know, you know, it, it, it's somebody you need to plug in in a fix, like right now. That's exactly what he is, and he's ex- exact. You know, like I said, what you can expect to get available, and someone you can plug in right away and can just play, and that's what they need right now because you know they've had they had the debt problems already before this, and uh, you know, again with a new a new coaching staff, a whole new scheme, and all new everything. You just need somebody who's a professional who can play. So that's yeah. what they got. And, and again, you know, when you're rebuilding a team, you don't want to be making moves like this, right? The Giants have invested significantly in the secondary in in, in youth, and um, you know they're not seeing a huge return on that investment yet. You have a first round pick who is on charges. You have a, <laughs> a third round, I believe, supplemental pick who has opted out due to a pandemic. You have a sixth round pick, I believe, in Corey Ballantyne that you know struggled mightily last year. You you did a third round pick on a, a guy that I think is a better fit for the slot this year. Third, fourth round, I don't remember. Fourth round, I think, for for Darnay Holmes. Um, you know, Julian Love was, I think, a fourth round pick last year. He's kind of more of you know moving into that slot slash third yeah, and safety. It's, and it's really role. hard. It's really hard for all of these guys until you get to like year three to really start making absolutely different, especially when you have a team that had a very, a very bad pass rush and a team which just overall sucked. You, you know, got a whole new really coaching hard. staff. It didn't look like that exactly. defense knew what to do anyway. Um, but the the thing is, you bring in a guy like Ross Cockrell, he can start right away. You hope that Corey Ballantyne can just sit back behind him, take his time, and then if he beats Ross Cockrell out for a starting spot midway through the season. Win-win. If he doesn't, it's okay because you have somebody for the season. You know what I mean? It, it's this is a nice, perfect stopgap solution. 
This is this is what you want to use your money for. Um, so you know, this is this is as far as I'm concerned, as good a news as we could have gotten in light of Sam Beal opting out. And quite frankly, yeah. even if he hadn't, I'm not even going to say that this signing would have been bad. I think this signing would have been fine. More competition, you get a veteran back there who helped guide him, push him to get better, can fill in if needed, if, if you know, Sam Beal's having a shaky start. So it, I don't think it really matters anyway. Um, what does matter is, you know, as we talk about this rebuilding team and how important that is, we've said it for years now on this show, since this show started, that, you know, Dave Gettleman is hired and, and how to rebuild a team and all the mistakes that were made by the previous regime of just spending money and free agency to get better. That's not how you get better. You get better by building from the inside out and with youth through the draft. Um, and I think that Gettleman has done a, a pretty good job. I mean, it's really difficult to assess this early. I mean, it's something we're going to have to take a look back, you know, on our fifth anniversary of this podcast at his first draft and, and how it's panned <laughs> out and things like that. But um, it's going to be really difficult really difficult for scouts and um, and general managers and the, the whole war room during draft night for 2021 because college football really seems to be teetering on the edge of not happening at all this year. Yeah, I mean, this is really the big story right now. Um, you know, and, you know, there's three ways we're going to look at this with college football. We're going to look at it for college football in itself. You know, the, the debate on whether there should be college football or not. What is the impact of the decisions that are made going to be made on the NFL? And, you know, for this year, for 2020, and, you know, what's going to happen with the draft for next year and, and going forward? Because I think what happens, you know, if a lack of a college football season is going to have massive implications on eligibility of guys. Uh, guys you know, coming out early, all these different things. And what does it do to the draft next year? So let's start by you know recapping. And again, this is very fluid. We're recording this on a Monday night uh, about you know 9.30 p.m. And the world may change by the time you listen to this tomorrow morning on Tuesday. But uh, as of right now, the MAC conference, the Mountain West, the University of Yukon have all announced – that they will not be playing football in the fall. Now that doesn't mean that they've canceled for the season. You know, they've are looking at options to playing in the spring, but as of now, they will not be. Uh, the reports are coming out over the weekend that the power five conferences, the, um, the commissioners and the ADs had met and, you know, you pick the rumor and the news source that said everything from the big 10 was about to announce they were postponing the fall and the others would be in line to announce at the same time. Well, you know, again, as of right now, as of Monday night, those official announcements haven't happened, but the writing is on the wall. Uh, you know, there is a grassroots effort by players and coaches, uh, hashtag we want to play, where they've all said they want to play. Uh, but listen, guys, let, let's be very honest with each other, you know, Everything that's happened from March to now is not a question of wanting to do things. You know, we all want to be at work. We all want to go out without masks. We all want college football. We all want, you know, the NFL to be normal. We all want life to be normal. But it can't be normal right now. You know, and, you know, there are protocols in place to keep this pandemic at the relative minor disaster it is now and not make it something that could be catastrophic so you know i appreciate i mean believe me nobody wants college football probably more than i do anybody who knows me knows you know as much as i love the giants i capital l-o-v-e love the florida gators and uh you know it's going to be the first time in 30 years that my entire fall is not devoted to being in the air you know seven to nine weekends a year traveling all over the south following Florida football. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't know. What do you people do in the fall? I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, it's going to be miserable. But, you know. Follow, follow the what, Cranky Fan on Twitter for all those pictures of apple picking. <laughs> 
Yes, I'll be looking for suggestions for getting the pumpkins. Yeah, and... yeah, he's the jack o' lantern contest. And... What do you do with your wife? I don't even know. So you know, give me some suggestions, please. But uh, you know, let's start. Let's start the first with the decision that the the trend is going towards canceling as opposed to no people in the stands as a start. Uh, what's your What's your initial thought about all this? You have a situation now where these are not professionals, even if they are pseudo-professionals. Um, a lot uh, – understand that in order for the NFL to operate at all, there had to be strong negotiations and, and a lot of conversations between the league that creates the rules and, and, and makes the NFL what it is, the league what it is, and representation for the players – there really isn't much representation for college football players, if there's any at all. There's none. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, so what you have here is a situation where any decision is strong arming, and it, it just—that's it, just a fact. And I'm not saying it's good, it's bad. It is what the NCAA is. It is—it is one side making decisions for two two groups of people: the people making money and the people building careers. In quotes, you know, not all college football players end up making a career out of football. In fact, most yeah, and, don't. To be, and, and to be very honest, you know, it's the same thing as well with the uh, with the coaches. I mean, it's great that Trevor Lawrence can go on Twitter and say we're all we want to play, but it doesn't mean anything. That's not being that's not going to be translated to a bargaining table. You know, it, it's one thing for Scott Frost to say we're ready to coach, we're ready to play, and you know if. The Big 12 doesn't have a – or the, the Big 10 isn't playing this year. We'll play out of conference or whatever. That's great. I love the enthusiasm, but that's not the way it works. You know, coaches can't all of a sudden decide we're going to break contracts and play in a, different con- in a different conference. There is absolutely 0.0 chance that the Big 10 or, or the uh, – the, you know, the Big 12 that's going to lose all of this revenue this year because they're going to be playing in either empty or mostly empty stadiums is going to cut their revenue, their TV revenue, even further by giving it to other teams. So that is a that is a pipe dream that absolutely won't happen. That is actually one of the funniest things that I had read on on Twitter about yeah. the situation. There's, there's no way that's happening. Absolutely no way. I mean, again, you know, and here's the other thing too is that you know, yes, colleges and you know the the big the powers five make a lot of money with the TV deals, but every single athletic program will lose money this year if they can't sell tickets. Um, I did the research on at Florida. You know, our athletic budget is something like I don't know. I think I saw it was like fifty six million dollars. The whole budget. They get $25 million just in ticket revenue. This is the athletic budget for the entire all sports, men and women. And with Title IX, you can't just say, well, we'll just get rid of softball and that will take care of it. You have to do equal cuts if you're cutting things. So, you know, people are like, oh, well, there's too much, you know, there's too much money at stake to not play. Well, you know. The final four in, in the uh, in the basketball tournament was completely canceled. They they did that, so there's a, a financial thing. And if if you're going to play a season with nobody in the fan, nobody in the seats, these programs are going to lose money. And the big programs like the Bamas and the and the Georgias and the Floridas and the Penn States, they might be able to survive it, but most athletic programs are dead in the water, and they may never recover. And you might see the vast majority of the non-revenue um, things being canceled. And let me tell you something. Nobody's talking about this, but what if there's no vaccine next year? I mean, we're going to be in the exact same boat next year as we are this year. And, you know, having nobody in the stands, you were, um, as we're talking now, I'm watching Rays Red Sox on TV in an empty Fenway Park. Same thing could happen next year. And that will kill college sports so you know it's not as simple as oh you know they they could be safe and everything it's you know there is a money aspect in in hand and if they can't do it to the model they have now they're done there's one more thing to consider here and 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 that's 
The NFL is one centralized league. The NCAA is more like a confederation. It's it's a very loose set of officiating for several conferences that really are self-governing in a lot of ways. And, and even those are kind of confederations themselves too because there is quite, you know, you're looking at it, – it's not like each conference is the NBA or the NFL where they, you know – they share revenues equally. I mean, for every Georgia and Florida budget, there's a Vanderbilt budget. Where hasn't that any money? So, it, 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 these decisions are are not going to be easy. And you know, I honestly think that this is going to be a situation where, I, I mean, again, this is this is important to note here. Uh, there is a lot of money at stake, but these are not professionals. These are schools. And that is something really important to keep in mind. Um, this is a situation where you may not have people on campus for school at all. So, I, I mean, it is very strange. The protection of, of, of life is kind of, you know, even if you think that's hyperbole, you know, that's fine, whatever you want to think. But the paramount thing here is that these people are not professionals. This is not their job. They are not getting paid to do this. And prior to all of this, there was significant argument that college football players are being exploited as it is. Oh, well, I mean, this is kind of, you know, this is the summer of, you know, radical social change, you know, in all different facets, whether it is civil rights and it's, you know, it's kind of percolated down to this situation because this is the opportunity that a lot of players are saying it's time for us to get paid. And what I honestly think is going to happen out of all this is I think it's going to be a situation in college football where it's going to be all broken down and all be rebuilt again. I really think out of all of this is that you're going to see a model similar to what happened in England in soccer about 30, you know, 30 years ago where, you know, the top 20 clubs broke away from the football association and started the premier league you know their own league they controlled the tv contracts you know they had promotion and relegation as a a, a negotiating thing to allow other clubs to kind of get in and get out i doubt you'll see that for this but i think this is the opportunity where you know they don't have to play by the rules of the ncaa you know they'll do their own thing now does that mean that they don't have to do title line anymore but i don't know but I do know is they don't have to share money with, you know, the the Mountain West Conference or you know. Wait, wait. Title Nine is a federal ruling, isn't it? I believe so. But is it associated with the NCAA itself, or is it with? Because it's I think not that for private. Down to all schools at every level. I think it's for. I don't know because, you know, are they governed by the same things that are private schools as public schools? I don't. I don't know I don't that. Know that. But if it's part of the NCAA, it probably is. So, you know, my point being that that's how you know, the richer schools and the ones that have the more lucrative TV contracts. And that's where I think you will see kids starting to get paid to play because no budget right now really can afford to pay players. You know, because if you pay football, you got to pay every athlete. And there's absolutely no way that these budgets can afford that. So... There might be some wholesale, you know, restructuring, life altering restructuring of college football as a result of all this, because it'll be their opportunity to do so. So. Which may not necessarily be a bad thing. No, uh, I think that's a that's a fairly likely it's an extreme uh, situation, but doesn't mean that it's not likely. Um, it just doesn't really get any more extreme than blowing it up and starting over. Yeah. Um, I mean. The ultimate extreme blow it up would be that they kind of get rid of conferences and they just say, you know, the schools from the Power Five all of a sudden, you know, are just in this mega league where they kind of reshuffle them based on geography or, you know, who knows? Like, because right now you do have you have the SEC. It has obviously a lot better schools than the ACC for football. Do they want to keep that kind of in balance or not? But I guarantee you, if they go to that model you will see a completely different playoff structure. You won't see this, you know, four teams and that's it. You know, I can guarantee you that 
it'll be a much bigger playoff. Oh, well, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you start restructuring shit like that, you're going to see a more lucrative playoff system like March Madness. No oh, question. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, any, any way they can squeeze out another dime and I'm not blaming them because shit yeah. I would love to watch a they fucking they... jam in January football schedule or something sure um, I don't I mean, know how I... the fuck you could possibly play that many football games in a month but well here's the thing if um, if you get rid of if you make the, the power five conferences their own separate deal uh, you know you can probably reduce the schedule a little bit because, you know, Florida plays four non-conference games in addition to their current eight SEC games. Right. And they always they always play Florida State, so that's one. But that leaves three games that are basically garbage. Okay. They're, they're, they're cupcakes to, you know... Hype up the, the first team, game pump the, up the fan base. Yeah, the first one. It, but they also are used to fund these lower-tier schools. You know, and... When Southwest Louisiana comes to the swamp, you know, they're going to lose, you know, 65 nothing, but they're also going to get a pretty big paycheck. Now, what does that mean for these schools? That's a whole other problem. You know, how are they going to be able to afford if they're not part of the Premier League or anything? But, you know, unless you expand your conference schedules, uh, you probably could go from a, a 12-game schedule down to 11 or 10. That way you make the, the playoff you know, you can expand it, and it's not like they're playing that many more games. We're we're flying, flying off the rails, but yeah, I, I can't help but think about this. If you were to do a Power Five bracket, first of all, how do you make five conferences into a bracket? I guess, I guess if you split it by division winner, then you have ten. Still, it still doesn't work. Well, well, you'd probably do is you'd probably have the five conference champs. You know, if Notre Dame somehow worms their way into this, they'd probably get a, you know, uh, isn't the time they join a, a, a spot. conference? Well, I mean, I think this is going to force them to join the ACC. I think you know they're they're basically doing it this year as an emergency because they have nowhere to, you know, everybody's doing non conference schedules right now, so they have nowhere to go. Um, but I could see it being five conference champs and three at larges, you know, for an 18 playoff, uh, you know, that would be, uh, that kind of, that gets everybody into wins their conference and it allows, you know, it still makes the regular season important because you want to be one of those three teams, those other three you've teams. Been, you've been kind of screaming for the five conference winners and three at larges for like two years now. Yeah. I have, I've had for the longest time because to me, I think winning you, Winning, winning your for, conference, I think, is a big deal. It, it, exactly. It, it does piss me off when you have a conference winner not make it. Well, well, it depends on why they don't make it. You know, there's a lot of... What I'm saying is there's just so many variables that seem to trickle into picking four when you really shouldn't... If, if you're really nitpicking at that point, shouldn't they just both be in there? Shouldn't this just be bigger at that That's point? the thing. Yeah. It, it should be bigger. And, and I think we're slowly getting that way. I mean... You know, it, it's you can't just bump it up because there are TV contracts or how it's set up, and it's going to take some time to do it. But eventually, I think they'll get to, you know, a six or an eighteen playoff. Um, but the thing is, though, know, you have to account for the fact that some conferences are harder than others. I mean, Clemson has a cakewalk to the playoff, mm-hmm. where you know, a team like Florida has to deal with every year Georgia. LSU right off the bat before anything else. That doesn't even mean getting to the SEC game and playing Bama. That doesn't mean if Florida State's good again. So, you know, you kind of have to factor in, you know, if Florida goes 11-1 and and loses to Georgia, they're not even going to be in the SEC game. But that 11-1 team might be the third best team in the country. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I, I, I agree with you. I think the most important thing you want to do for college football is you want to make the regular season just as important now as it is going forward. And uh, making winning your conference, you know, one of the guaranteed spots makes the conference important. Now, I come from a conference, the SEC, where, you know, winning the SEC is almost as big of an honor as winning a national championship. And that's the other thing, too, about college football is that unlike every other sport, it is not just – national championship or bust. I mean, if you are, 
if you're the uh, if you're the Cowboys this year, you don't win the Super Bowl. The season is pretty much a failure and a waste of time. Right. But in, in college football, there is you know making it to the playoff, you know, winning the national championship. But there's also winning your conference, beating your rivals yeah. is a much more of a bigger deal than you know. All of these things happen where everything is very important. So, you know, it, you don't want to create a situation where if you don't win the national championship, all is lost and who cares? And, uh, you know, that's why the beauty of maintaining conferences and maintaining rivalries is so important. So. So, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about exploding the NCAA and building it back up. You know, I don't see that happening as easily if there is, in fact, spring ball. And because of the money implication, because this is so important to schools, I do think there is a shot at spring ball. You know, I don't know that it's probably the best idea, um, but I, I do think that there's a decent shot at there being spring football. Um, I, think it, I think it depends on conditions on the ground. Of I mean, course, I think absolutely, if we, absolutely. If, if we are, you know, we, we got to get through this winter because I think people – even though there's been spikes in the last, you know, month and a half, two in places like Florida and Arizona, we have not even hit wave two yet, and we have not hit flu season. This could be a brutal, brutal winter. Uh, you know, if they start politicizing things like getting your basic flu shots, never mind, you know, taking vaccines or not, you might see just, you know, forget even mortality rates and things or, or number of cases, you might see a nation that is just generally sick. <laughs> so, you know, we'd have to get through all of that to even consider, you know, does it make sense to play in, in the spring? Of course. Yeah. I'm operating on the 50% chance that, uh, our downward, tra- I don't know what percent chance. I, I'm just saying that, there, that there's really two options here. It's either going to get worse or get better. Um, in the chance that we start seeing results stay steady and low and get lower, um, I think that colleges are going to push for a spring football. I know that that's going to make things really hard for players to go straight into the draft, right? Um, that's fine. And I think what you'll see is a lot of people um, either stay for their senior years or opt out of the season at that point and just go straight into the draft. I don't think you're going to see – I don't even know how it would be possible. I don't know if they would push the draft back a little bit to, to kind of accommodate or what. But I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys play a, even even a shortened college schedule in the spring, go right into the draft, and then, and then try and play an NFL schedule later on that year. I mean you're talking about a lot of wear and tear on a very young body. Yeah, I mean, I think, well, first of all, they have to figure out, you know, eligibility. Because, you mean, the eligibility season ends on January 1st. I mean, that's why you see sometimes you see, uh, you know, true freshmen, you know, playing in bowl games sometimes who are just right out of high school. I mean, it's very rare, but this season ends technically, like the eligibility on December 31st. So, they're going to have to come up with some sort of exemption or, or some sort of something for people to play in the fall that are seniors. Then you have to figure out, well, they have to change the roster size because incoming freshmen coming in, well, maybe they're, you know, they're eligible to play. You know, if you have a badass running back, you just dropped out of high school or recruited out of high school. Well, maybe, uh, you know, they can play in that in the spring. So, you know, the roster is going to be bigger if you have like a, a duplicate, like an overlap. So there's a whole host of, you know, issues they're going to have to figure out. And then, you know, you're right. Season ends, let's say they play a 10 game season, non-conference, so conference games only. And it starts, I don't know, in February. That takes you to March, April, May. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you know, there's no combine, there's no workouts. But, and again, though, we have to keep this in mind, too. The number of people that are eligible for the draft relative to the number of people who play college football is very small. Mm-hmm. True. You know, we're talking, you know. Well, that's, that's what I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of guys who are going to feel like they're 
their sophomore tape was not good enough to get them the paycheck that they think they deserve, the draft eligibility that they think they de- uh, draft value they think they deserve. That draft they status. They can- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they'll play this late spring season and return for a senior year. And then, you know, we see it more and more where guys return for their senior year. They play like six games and then they sit out the rest of the year and get ready no, for the... That, that does not happen. It absolutely happened with Bosa. Never. Well, that absolutely that is, happened with Bosa. He also he also was hurt too. He didn't just decide. Well, I'm just bailing on my team in the middle of the season. If guys get hurt, they decide I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stay out for the rest of the year. That might happen. Well, but regardless, I think what I think what you'll see is guys who would normally be playing their junior year this year and then foregoing their senior season and entering the draft will probably play their junior year and return for their senior season. What they decide to do with that senior season, I don't know. There is always the supplemental draft. Whatever they – because the supplemental draft is all about eligibility as well. Um, right. See, I think it will be the opposite. I think you're going to see a lot more guys just opt out of that last year and say, you know – I'm just gonna. That's gonna that's the other myself. side of the coin, though. The guys that are already have the draft status, fuck it, don't play the late the late spring season. Opt out entirely and go straight into the draft. And just work towards whatever you need to do to get into that draft. And we're already seeing that with guys like Micah Parsons, Gregory Rousseau, and um, Rashad Bateman uh, are the three biggest names I've seen that have opted out. You know, all three of those guys have high draft status already. Here's another problem. Usually there's after the season's over, like early January, there is an evaluation period where you get, mm-hmm. you know, a projection. There is none right now, you know, so the decision that's going to be made is going to be, you know, they're going to have to make that own. They're not going to have the guidance that they normally would for this. And, you know, something, the combination of having a bigger self, uh, Self-evaluation co- combined with being constantly surrounded with yes-men and agents who just want to get you signed and everything, I think you're going to see a lot of bad decisions. I think you're going to see a lot more people you know, decide they're going to opt out and do their own workouts and think they're higher rated than they are. But we, uh, see that. And a lot, we see that in normal years. I think you're going to see a lot more of it this Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Because, right. yeah, I think it's going to be – you know. Fortunately for college football, as opposed to almost any other sport, most people, you know, they cheer for the uniform and, you know, it's this, the overall quality of a game or a season is not severely hampered because of, you know, a small handful of stars not playing in it where, you know, I think in other sports like basketball really takes it. College basketball has taken a real hit over the last 20 years because of, you know, people who go out after their, their freshman year. And in those years where the high school guys even go to college, I think the football experience won't be as badly impacted, but uh, I think there's a lot of guys just going to be making mistakes and, and thinking they're more, you know, they're ready to go when they're not. Uh, absolutely. I don't think there's any, any question to that. Um, it's but going to be do? an interesting draft process entirely. I don't even know. Yeah, that's that's getting to now. It's like, what do you do if you're an NFL team? I mean, how do you? Well, you still. Well, how did you? Assuming you assuming there's no spring ball and the whole season is gone, you are still actually regardless whether there's spring ball or not. Your scouts are on the road for upcoming guys, sophomores, true freshmen, um, redshirt guys. Uh, so they're going to be on the road anyway. I think what you're probably going to do is have a lot more people just sitting down and watching film. Just yeah. mountains and mountains of film, analyzing every little thing. A lot of talk with coaches, I'm sure. You know, what did he do well? Did he take well the coaching? Interviews are probably going to count for a lot more. A lot more of getting guys in front of blackboards and getting them to explain plays. Because, you know, that... I know I, I don't blame any any college football player for for leaving the school early and and moving on with their career. Never, never, nope, especially because they don't get play, paid in, in college. But that said, the amount of learning that they lose out on 
by not returning to school in most cases. You know, the Power Five schools, really good coaching staffs, really smart guys, a lot of money invested, you know, almost professional weight rooms. Um, they lose out on a in some lot cases of they learning. Are. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, unless you're the, the, the big time, right? You know, the, the fucking Trevor Lawrence's, the Peyton Manning's, like, the, you will be a better first year NFL player if you stay. Does not mean that you should do it. It's just, it is what it is. Um, and of course, it's position oriented, right? I mean, if you're a kicker, it's not going to mean the same thing to you as if you're a running back getting 30 plus carries a game. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, what's the preparation going to be? I mean, you might see, I think, a much more expanded version of the combine. Like, I don't think the combine will be five days anymore. It might be. I think they might cut out some of the bullshit. I mean, the 40 times alone, the fact that every player runs a 40 is insane. I don't know why we still sit through that. Like, why do we need to care if if a if a center can run a forty yard dash in a straight line in five seconds or, or four point nine? It doesn't matter. They never well, have to do that. I think what's going to happen is I think you're going to see the combine this year kind of morph into like expanded versions of Senior Bowl practice week, mm-hmm. where I could see that it's not just. It's not just – I mean there, there probably will still be a combine as we know it, but I think you'll see a lot more league-sponsored and league-organized uh, you know, practices. Like they, they may may or may not play like an all-star game or something, but it will be all the preparation involved for it. And it might be you know, maybe like a few weeks or several weeks where – because these guys are going to be cold. And they're not going to be like – when you have the senior, when you have the senior bowl and stuff, and, and all the practices, they're coming off a long season, right? And they're getting, and also bowl prep. These guys are kind of basically doing a version of spring ball, where they're going in and doing drills. So you're not going to see after optimal. So you might see something where they organize, you know, you know, uh, three or four weeks of yeah, possibly, and then that way people can make their observations, and, and you know, the scouts can just you know. There'll be so much tape on so many things that they're seeing that that's what happens. And, you know, in some ways it might be better for the player that, you know, you have a bad combine, you know, you have a bad 40 time, you have a bad interview, it hurts players. This, you know, the more runs and the more reps you have and the more times you threw it might help. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be a really wild off season. Um, it's going to be a really wild season if it happens. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm still, you know, what is the final question we have is what does this all mean for directly into the, the NFL? NFL? Right. Again, I mean, so here's the thing. Again, like I said, you have two very different situations. There's obviously going to be some influence here. If all of college football is canceled, does that limit the? Does that? Does that? Is there any detriment to the the? possibility of an NFL season a little bit Um, but these situations are so so widely different you have one centralized power you know creating these restrictions they were negotiated with the representation of the players you know and and what you have is you had an opt-out period that period has ended the players made their decision and they're going to try and make this work I think the only way it doesn't happen is simply if it fails this is not going to be a well, you know, college football is canceled. I, I just don't think we can do this. I mean, they're going to go headlong until it falls apart. And what we're seeing with the MLB, you know, actually continuing to work, I have no reason to suspect that they will not keep going full steam ahead, regardless of what college football does. Um, it, it's important to remember that college football is just a loose association of different schools. You know, there's money coming, there's money going out, and there's really not much coming back in. You know, it, it, it's it's a completely different situation, and um, you have to remember that you have kids not getting paid to do a thing. Um, it's not the same as players making an informed decision, getting representation, and then it, it, having the representation negotiate the safety concerns. And if you're not comfortable with them, opting out. You know, and, and even getting some money to hold you yeah, over but, until the next year. It, it's a completely different also, situation. 
that's all stuff that's already been decided about. They've kind of moving – that's all been worked out and they're moving forward. The question is will – Well, what's the incentive? This, okay. You can, I mean the decision is – the decision they're not going to do college football is really – it's got nothing to do necessarily with you know professionals versus amateurs. It's do they feel that the safety protocols are there that they can ensure that you know the majority of people don't get sick. But that's the thing. Not only, what safety protocols? You don't have a representation for the players for these safety no, no, protocols. No, you don't no, even no. have a centralized power. No, to, no, that doesn't, that doesn't matter. I'm talking about actual safety things. I'm talking – to me, it's a question of bubble versus non-bubble sports. And I think what – I think the evidence that they're getting from what baseball is going through is informing the NFL more than what college football decides to do. 100%. I mean, I mean, forget and forget all that thing about you know. I get it; they're all valid points about how the players have no say in it, but that's not making the decision to cancel or not. I think it's. I think the NFL is going to say, okay, baseball has had isolated teams have hotspots where they are out of action for a week to ten days, but the league has been able to absorb it. And they worked around the schedule. They've modified the schedule so that those teams either will catch up in the stand, you know, the amount of games played, or they'll just go by winning percentage. And they're seeing so far to this point that they are able to get this done. I mean, we all thought two weeks ago that baseball would be done in a matter of hours. And guess what? Other than the Marlins the Phillies and the Cardinals at different times, they're still powering through. And I think what they're thinking is based upon that, you know, obviously the best case scenario would be in a bubble like basketball and hockey and soccer where, you know, there's only been a couple of cases and it's been fine, but it's not feasible. Well, hockey, I don't think has had a new case for, for three weeks straight or something like that. And and the NBA as well. And after the initial thing, with uh, soccer in the bubble, it's been fine going through the rest of the tournament. But that's what's going to inform them is that. And uh, you know, we'll see. I, 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 have I, a, I have a feeling the hammer is going to fall for college football this year, um, this week. Uh, you know, we're going to see, you know, whether there's spring ball or not, we may not see this week. But we'll find out that it's, that it's done for the year uh, this week, I My, think. My my prediction is that uh, despite what the initial reports are, they're all not going to announce at the same time they're they're canceling or not. I think there'll be a holdout conference or two. Like I think the SEC and maybe the Big Twelve may not announce at the same time. I think there'll be a vast political debate for two or three days. They'll become, you know, August's version of. Are you wearing a mask or not? And I think what's ultimately going to happen is, you know, they will ultimately rely on what the medical experts tell them. And I think they will shut it down. But it's not going to be, you know, not going to be a clear cut on Wednesday afternoon. The five conference commissioners stand up together and say, United, we're canceling. I think the Big Ten, I think I think the Pac-10 or Pac-12, and I think the uh, – Maybe the Big 12. I think maybe those three probably, they're out. But I think maybe the SEC and the ACC, maybe they might try to stick it out longer. And I think it becomes a very ugly, you know, you know Trump will get involved. And, you know, the, the whole thing. It'll be a, it'll be talking points on, you know, cable news and, you know, where do you wait. stand? Oh, it's going to be awful. It's going to be really, really awful. Because, you know, you should stick to sports unless it's something you believe in. And... uh <laughs> Right, exactly. So, uh, but I think at the end of the day, I think college football will be shelved, and I think if it's shelved now, you won't see it again until twenty, the fall of twenty twenty one at the earliest. Yeah. But for all of the latest news on all of that, be sure to follow the Cranky Fan on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. You can be absolutely sure that if it's Gators related in any way whatsoever, he'll be all over it. He's a good Twitter follow for that. You might have to scroll past all of the ranting and ravings of a baseball fan um, in between. Well, if this, well, if this fucking team hits with runners in scoring position, I won't be so angry all the time. It's yeah, just so aggravating. Cheering. It's nonstop with you on Twitter. 
Um, I'm going to be, you know, a little bit involved in that as well. I'm obviously a little bit more Giants-centric, a little bit more NFL-centric, but this is a direct, direct correlation as well as an indirect correlation. So follow me as well on Twitter, at football underscore grump. Um, and the show as well, at Just Giants Pod has a Twitter as well. So, you know, all sorts of things Giants-related on that Twitter account as well. All of these episodes are available for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, etc. Um, and if you subscribe for free, you can just have these episodes in your queue first thing in the morning every Tuesday. That's right. And also, if there's some major, major story coming out, whether it's impacting the, you know, the league or the Giants or something, we'll have an emergency broadcast as necessary because... Uh, there's nothing else going on. So. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've done that in the past anyway, so that's just something to keep in mind. So, you know, you'll always have our weekly broadcasts and then, uh, you know, maybe just some fun bonus ones in between. Mm-hmm. Agreed. All right, everyone. That's it for us. We'll see you next week. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.